Well, everyone, welcome back to Filmcraft. What are we talking about this week, Retief? Well, I thought just in general, just because it's crazy times right now, I think for a lot of people who are uh, creators, you know, writers, whatever, um, I for personally find in, in these kind of moments that I, I think a lot about you know, my responsibility as an artist and what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, just in general, you know, you think of ideas that come and go all the time as, as, as a creator and you're always trying to figure out what the next project is. And, and there are times when you bounce an idea, but then something happens in your life or circumstances change in your life that make you consider something different or maybe you throw an idea to the side because like your interests have changed and i i'm personally going through moments like that um constantly i feel like more and more i feel like i'm compelled to reconsider every every choice i make and every um idea i, I choose to entertain so right now i'm feeling uh very similar Feelings I had uh, right before I uh, made Crazy For You, where it was just about like thinking about why I'm making a film and what the reason is. And I think just the, the general um, question of just asking yourself, like, why am I making this film and what is my responsibility as, as a filmmaker um, with this project that I'm making? So I thought it would just be more of a philosophical discussion about that. And yeah, I think that's very, very interesting. When you say that, do you are you more thinking that on like a thematic level? So, for instance, you're going to make crazy for you. Are you asking, you know, what message am I putting out into this world? What am I trying to say with this? How will it connect with people, or is it something else entirely? Not necessarily that. I, I think I on a personal level, I feel like that's a very um, counterintuitive almost backwards way to approach making anything because when you're when you're creating something and you and you start with what what do I want out there you're not thinking from a perspective or point of view that is honest to yourself I think it always has to start from the inside where you where you ask what am I feeling and what do I believe is happening right now and what is happening in me right now and then that's always going to spur what happens um on the outside so whenever i ask myself i mean it's not even as as clear as like you um you know when i went crazy for you it wasn't as clear as what message do i want to tell with this movie and i and i didn't know why it, it, it was just stuck in my head and I couldn't get it out of my head. And on the surface, it's not related to me at all. Um, because there's no direct link that you can connect back to myself. But underneath what the film is doing, it's related to me in such a personal way that it's hard for anyone to make that connection. But because that's where I started from, it's actually more true than... 
um, anything else I could do at that moment. Um, so it really came from a place of like, why am I telling the story? And the reason was because of the relationship between the characters was so directly personal um, to my own life and to experiences that I had that I needed to um, bring that to the surface. And that's why I made the film. But if, if I look at the f film on a surface level and I approach it as, oh, I'm creating this story and now I'm going to put some sort of meaning onto it and attach it to something outside, it's so superficial um, because it doesn't come from a place inside that moves you. It comes from a place externally where um, something is happening and then whatever is happening out there you're taking that and now attaching it to something that you want um, to be associated with it. And I don't think that's a great way to, to do anything. I think you've got to start from your own character and have that become something in a story. Because that's the only way you can ever create a character. You, can, you can't never create a character from themes, I think. I think you've always got to create characters from yourself and and kind of take that and put it onto uh, the page so as when you write the voice that comes feels true where it doesn't it, the voice isn't ideals the voice isn't themes and the voice isn't about a movement or anything the voice that you create is a person and that's why it has to start from a person well, this is the way I've viewed when I do things. And I think it's what you're basically getting at. Like when you're looking at those creating that quote unquote person within this fictional narrative, that basically comes as a combination of an emotion and an experience jammed into this new body that you're making a person, right? Mm -hmm. For example, um, again, crazy for you is not out there yet. And same with what we don't say. So it's a bit hard to jump into the shoes of those things. Um, but even for, for party stories, there's a lot of those characters that are me in a sense, like, you know, and particular essence of me boiled down, distilled, and then reimagined, whether that's through, you know, like when I was younger, I bared a lot of resemblance to the main character in some experiences. And then, Growing up, I can kind of see the world more through the eyes of the older characters in the movie. And I think anytime you go into making a character like that, you'll always hear writers and, you know, people that have been in quote unquote Hollywood for a long time say like they needed to find a way to get their foot in the door of the story. And that's just connecting to someone in it and saying, how do I relate to it? Because if I can't do that in one small level through any facet of them then i don't understand this character and maybe i shouldn't be writing it so it even boils down to like when you're writing a you know five star military general that's about to commit genocide you know you need to be able to see a little part of how he acts that could connect to you um and it's an interesting thing to like really sit back and say okay how do i connect to these people and you could even do it as a real life exercise like just watching the news and saying like you know here's someone doing this here's someone doing that and really try and put yourself in their shoes and then see if you connect in any way like that and learn that string of character yeah i, I think it i think 
that idea can be exercised in in certain scenarios, but I I think there are some instances where it's it would be difficult to do, to make that leap. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, with like an example of like, say it's two characters that are that are butting heads and they're both questionable people. They're not great people in general, but those are the people that we've made our characters in the story. But there are maybe redeeming qualities to both of them. I, I think just in, in in the fact that they're both people, there will be some redeeming qualities to both of them. Um, not just bad ones, but you have to connect to what to what those are. And sometimes those things might be very unexpected things. But I think there are times where there are characters that you only see one side of them. You only see the bad side of them. And sometimes it's necessary to do that. Um, I do think there's sometimes this idea with writers or with people who talk about writing where there's a, necess- there's a necessity that we create that every every character, every person we see needs to have three sides to them when in reality that's not what we get or we are oftentimes faced with characters or people in our own lives and and just in, in the general public that we only see one side of them and sometimes we only see the harshest side of them um, and there might be a humanity to them uh, that that's in their home or with their family or away from public eyes but if we don't see that I think we have to ask ourselves what is the implication of not showing that and what is the implication of showing what the reality is of what you only get to see of, of a certain person and i think those are choices that you make as a creator because you can you can show the sympathetic sympathetic side of a completely evil person but does that make them less evil you can show the 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 dark sides of a publicly virtuous person but does that make them an evil person just because you only see one side of, of who they are. Um, there, there are plenty of examples of public people who have done incredibly amazing things for society, who in their private lives have done some dark things. And then there's the opposite of people who are lauded in public, who in their private lives have done really awful things. And I think even in, in the practice of creating characters for stories... These are things that um, I think as a creator, you create very specific, powerful symbols when you make characters because they always represent something, um, even if it's not your intention for them to represent something. So you have to ask yourself, what am I showing? And why is it important to show one side of something as opposed to just um, another side of something? And I always think about that. Yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting experiment, too, because one thing that you keep touching on, I think, is perspective, right? And like you said, if we just see one side of someone, is that all there is? And what are the repercussions of not showing the audience other sides of things? And it brought this story to my mind once where I was in a very, very minor car accident. And how it went down was I'm driving down the road and I met a 
intersection, so four-way intersection, and I was turning right to the right. There's a, a ramp with a yield sign, right? So I'm driving behind this car. I'm looking left just before the yield sign, and like me and this car are the only moving anything. There's not even a rabbit or a squirrel anywhere. <laughs> like These streets are dead. And I look left, and when I look back, this car had stopped for some reason in the yield, and I slam on my brakes, and I bumped the back of them a little. Again, very, very minor. But what ended up happening was I got out, because we need to talk now, and the driver of the car in front of me didn't get out. The passenger did. So she her door flies open and she comes out and she's just screaming and at first I was pretty pissed off because I'm like why would you stop in a yield of course someone's going to hit you that's a terrible idea that's why it's a yield and not a stop sign but then I was like okay calm down Matt this kind of is your fault you should have been looking and sure they did something wrong but it was on you to stop so I got out thinking like you know I was going to be all pissed off and then I was like you know I'm sorry it's all my fault um, I'll pay for a damage all that kind of stuff and she was actually really really like her anger faded quickly and what I ended up finding out was when the driver got out he had to at least spend 10,000 years old like he was the crypt keeper's dad he was so so old to the point where he shouldn't have been driving and she ended up saying like, okay, you know, you're really nice here. You, you admitted it's your fault. You're apologetic. Here's the deal. We got hit last week and we still haven't had the damage fixed. So if I bring this car in to get fixed and they don't notice there's additional damage, then just don't worry about it. And that's what happened. They didn't notice, but I was like, you're getting hit, hit this often that this keeps happening. Maybe you shouldn't be driving. Mm -hmm. And going back to the perspective thing is if I had got out and just started freaking out like why the fuck did you stop in a yield this is all your fault blah 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 that would be the only encounter with me that they would ever have and through their eyes i would just be a total jackass because i rammed into their car and started freaking out right <laughs> but i got out you know a little bit peeved cooled down everything kind of diffused and it ended up working out they got to see two different sides like clearly i got out angry but then i admitted to myself my fault Let's figure this thing out, right? So it's an interesting thought just to see, like, if you only have brief encounters with people, which a movie really is, you get, you know, an hour and a half to three hours, which is a very short amount of time to get to know someone, which sides are you showing them? And then what else are you hiding? And if you are hiding it, what's that doing for you? And in a real way, what's that robbing you of? Yeah, there, I mean, there are a lot of movies with, with characters that are, fall into that category as well, where you look at a character and it's very clear that they're just not a good person. And there's other characters where they're just kind of painted as like angels almost. Um, and a, a part of me does think the one place where you can go wrong is when you create a character with no flaws. Um yeah. you've created a person that's never existed ever what about jesus latif do you ever think about jesus oh, jesus made mistakes <laughs> um, make no mistake jesus fucked up <laughs> i think i think that's the the, the virtue of jesus is he'd be the first person to tell you that he's made mistakes yeah that's pretty um, fair <laughs> there's a there's something to that where where when you create a character that's got nothing wrong with them, 
you create someone that's absolutely unbelievable. Um, and I think uh, if you've created a character who is only flawed and who is only kind of an agitator, I don't necessarily think that's uh, unfair because sometimes that is all we get from people. Uh, and sometimes I, I do think that does serve a purpose. But I think it's important to ask yourself, when is that appropriate? And when when does it reflect reality? Because there are times when that does reflect reality. Um, actually, there's, there's yeah. many times when that reflects reality. But <laughs> yes, there is. But um, uh, you know, I immediately my mind goes to the Spike Lee film, the Black Klansman, where the uh, officer is talking to the Grand Wizard of the KKK. <clears throat> and there we we get a perspective <laughs> of the conversation um just through the phone one person on one end and one person on the other end and all we get is the conversation that they have and it seems very cordial and somewhat trivial and casual but we don't get to see the grand wizard go home and play with his kids and walk his dog and um i don't know drink his bourbon uh, but the reality is we don't need to see that <laughs> um, all we see is the clear choice that person has made in their lives to do what they do and that gives you a very clear idea of what their moral standpoint is so whether this person you know brushes his dog's hair or kisses his daughter goodnight um whether he does that or not gives you no further uh, idea of what this person thinks of the human condition. So I think there's <laughs> there's some instances where doing that is completely uh, useless in a way. Uh, and there are some instances where there might be a questionable character where you can do that and then it brings you a different uh, light um, uh, immediately I, my mind goes to uh, Monster's Ball and you see the character of uh, Billy Bob Thornton and it's, it's such a strange character because uh, very clearly you know this guy's got issues and he's got some sort of thing with um, his dad being just outright racist and then this kid who's kind of the opposite he's just kind of open and cool and you're not really sure where this guy stands and then you see what happens later in the film you're like okay this guy's a little weird but uh <laughs> he's not all bad but he's definitely not all good uh i don't know if if you've seen that movie but you know i, I think if if you watch it no i haven't <laughs> you kind of you kind of see that this is a very confused character who who doesn't really know where his place is um, and there's a lot of tensions, you know, underneath when it comes to race and his position and, and, and the people that he's connected to just in general. Um, but because you see different sides to who he is, it brings you a little more, um, empathy towards him, even though he's not the most likable character. Uh, but at the end of the film, I think the point of the character and the story is to make you um, 
see that maybe some people might be redeemable, even if they've got a very, very uh, scattered and kind of confused past. Yeah, it's interesting that you how you kind of bring up like uh, you often only get to see the bad parts of people. And it's funny you should say that because right before this, you and I were talking about American Beauty. Um, I had just watched it for the first time yesterday, the day before. And I think if you watch that movie and you were, I'm not talking about the main three characters. So the mom, the dad, or the daughter, but the other supporting characters. So like the neighbor, Mm -hmm. the, the dad, the neighbor's kid, even the mom, and more importantly, the daughter's best friend, Mm -hmm. the one that's like, you know, just out there, she's saying that she's banging everyone. And she's very, very one dimensional in the majority of the movie. You know, she's the stereotypical hot, teenage girl that is really into her sexuality and she goes out there she wants to be a model and she's banging everything right but then when you think of these call it one-dimensional characters that actually makes sense you know that is something that i think everyone has run into in their lifetime because you know the vast majority of us have gone to high school and we've known that stereotypical hot girl that fills those shoes but then when you get to the end of the movie the kind of twist that comes in is when she starts you know fooling around with the main character um she reveals that she's a virgin and that was like the last thing that i ever would have thought would happen and it's interesting to say like when you're writing something here's a character i have it's kind of an archetype and we only get to see this one angle of him but if you're gonna subvert that when do you do it and how do you do it and if you do it properly it can really really add to your story and bring your characters to a whole other level that honestly really makes your story a lot better and the same goes with the the neighbor or father character he's you know this i think he's a colonel or a major or something in the army he's very you know by the book and everything and then at the end it's really really heavily implied that the reason he's so conservative and hates gay people is because he's very 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 closeted and denying it right Mm -hmm. so by taking these seemingly copy and paste single layer characters and then going a little bit deeper and saying here's my perspective here's how you're going to see the character up until this point when we reveal this other layer that it just brings another dimension into the world. And I think that's something that can't be understated in its effectiveness because everything that happens with those characters, those, again, the background secondary characters in that movie and their reveals to who they are past their kind of call it not a facade, but a, a mask, I guess, is really interesting when you get to see more of who they truly are. Yeah. I I think also it's it's important because like the way we do these things, the way we show dimensions to a character is always by their actions. It's always by seeing how they make decisions in the in the world that we've created for them. And and oftentimes to me a failure of of seeing or not not a failure i guess but maybe even even a way that's not effective 
or it could be used effectively, is to have a character state what they mean or state an intention. Um, so a character, you know, for example, say a character that is misogynistic. Um, we see this character throughout a story. He seems like a nice person. Um, he gets along well socially. But then out of nowhere, another character is introduced and accuses him of being misogynistic and kind of a pig. But we haven't seen that of him. And so far, we've only seen this character be a nice person. And then the character states that he is not what he's being accused of. But then later on, through small um, actions that this character takes, maybe we do see that he's a bit of a jackass. Uh, but not blatantly. Um, but having him state very firmly that he isn't, and we're seeing that he in general, through what we've shown, is not that, could almost be more effective because you get to see um, a person's behavior over time reflect um, counter to his previous statements. Um, whereas if he chose to do that purely as like a, a justification without showing an action um, that precludes it, then that's kind of, I think, a... a a failed attempt at showing what a character's inner values are um, just by stating them without showing any actions. So, for example, if a character does a bunch of stuff and then by the end of a, a scene or a moment something is said about him and his only response is to say, no, it's not, then you've kind of made a <laughs> moot argument. It's, it's not effective. Um, but I, I do think there are a lot of times where that is like the the easy um, route to go and just have a character state his position on something without ever showing why, without showing evidence. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And another interesting thought that just came to my mind off the back of that one is you can scale that too. So where you say like, you know, you have this guy, he's a really nice guy, but then character B enters and says, you're misogynist. He denies it and you kind of explore it. You see that he might be. You can scale that to a whole other level, which one thing I always think of, and I think it's really, really interesting, is the way that when you get people like um, Kevin Spacey, you know, he's in American Beauty, right? He... I don't think anyone could argue that he is a very good actor and he does really well in a lot of parts, but he, in his private life, which we've come to discover is a really, really terrible human being. And he's done a lot of bad stuff that the world is now publicly shamed and disowned him for. Right. And I keep thinking of the like public persona that these larger than life status symbols have and the way that that can be taken away from them. And the way that some other people are immortal from it. So, for instance, the Kevin Spacey example I just mentioned, and I'm saying this from a totally dispassionate way. You know, I'm not defending or condemning anyone I'm looking at this strictly 
educationally. <laughs> um, and then you look at John Lennon, who is notoriously like the king of hippies, you know, <laughs> he's like, I think everyone can agree his public persona is just the song Imagine, you know, imagine all the people living day to day, loving each other, that kind of stuff. Right. But when you look back at his public image, which is that, and then you look at some of the things he did in his personal life, like it's really well recorded that he used to beat some of his girlfriends and he would go to bars and if someone called him gay, he would beat the shit out of them, right? So it's like, why then the interesting thought is why is he not his image not harmed for these things? And the answer, I think, is kind of because, you know, he's dead. He's immortal now. <laughs> he's not alive to if society wanted to push repercussions on him, it would have no effect, right? And it's that and part of the time. So if you have a character like that, you can, or just character in general, ask yourself, you know, what kind of person is this? Is he your everyday kind of guy? And if so, what is his persona? It'll be the way that his peers and his family think about him, which is the vast majority of us. But if he's someone larger than that, you know, he owns a giant company. Maybe he's like Elon Musk or something, or he's um, a rock star, or even a middle guy. Say like, what are the, how big is the social circle that will look at him and judge what his persona he gives off is versus what he does personally, you know? I mean, it's, it's a lot easier with characters or just in general with people that are very widely public figures um, because their life is put in a spotlight so much is known about them so much is known about their personal lives that it's easy to kind of delve in and, and really see who the person is on a strange level um, even privately there there's just so much information available to everyone about someone's own life if your story is just just about the guy around the corner um everything everything about this character is completely unknown to the audience but also to every person that they meet i think when you create a character you're not only creating a perspective you're creating like a, a not not every man um, but when you choose to create just like a regular person as a as a character for a film, you're almost creating like a mirror for every person that's watching. Um, and you have to do things that go outside of the norm and kind of show things about whoever this character is that hit at a very deep level with everyone that's watching that strikes a very dark chord. If I could... Or, or a minor note, you have to show the vices and the kind of guilt of the person very uh, honestly. Because you got to see inside this person and at some point know what makes them tick and what, what gets under their skin. Um, otherwise, you'll never, I think, connect with this person in, in any capacity. Outside of just storytelling in general. Um, I mean... I'm having the, these problems all the time where uh, just in general when, when I'm trying to write or when I'm making a film or I'm juggling with an idea, I have this deep personal conflict all the time. And it's almost getting worse as I get older, which is not a not a great thing. But <laughs> I'm always 
I'm always struggling with trying to figure out why I'm making what I'm making. Um, and I don't think it gets better with age. I think, uh, I think you just start to entertain fewer and fewer ideas, but, um, there's a, there's an internal conflict that I'm always wrestling with and it's very present in, in every choice I make. And with every character, there is always going to be something that that's always underneath their skin that they can't quite figure out. Um, and, and as a storyteller, uh, yeah, and you know, this might be a contro, well, not controversial, but a little bit touchy for some people. Um, but I, part of me just believes that, you know, if you're not having that as a storyteller, if you're not having that kind of struggle with every single story you're trying to tell, and if you're not having that kind of, um, compelling, like push inside of yourself for a story, then you're not telling the right story and you should just throw it in the bin. Um, cause, uh, th- that, that feels like an essential feeling for, for any work that you create. I'm actually been going through this for like the last week. I'm writing something new and as I write it, I'm, I'm realizing how difficult it is to write, especially since, um, this is the second thing I'm doing without an outline. I really have no roadmap and I feel lost at points. And I was thinking about it today when I was having a hard time pushing through it. I was like, I, I'm at the point right now where I feel like looking, if you're using the metaphor of going through a tunnel, right? And, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, that kind of deal. I'm at the point right now where I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But if I turn around, I can see the slightest light behind me. So it's almost like, yeah, it's okay. Just give up. Just turn around and abandon this. It's going to be totally fine because, you know, the easiest way to not write garbage is just to not write it at all. (laughs) And there's a part of me that's like, yeah, man, yeah, do it, do it, just bail, just bail. But then when I think of these, this world I'm trying to do and the characters I'm trying to create and put in there and the what I'm trying to say with it, that is so... um, I connect with it so much that it's pushing me through the tunnel. And I know I'll get to the end of it. I know it's going to be a really arduous journey to get there. And to even talking about it right now, I'm like, man, I want to give up on the script. <laughs> but I know once I get there, the the intent of everything I want to say through, you know, the the trio of world character and theme, it's going to be worth it. And yeah, like you said, if you, there isn't some burning desire within you to tell this story, if you're just kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm going to write the script, it's it's okay, then maybe you should reevaluate something you did because it really should be, it should affect you on a deep level. And I think one thing that people don't talk about enough is if you're writing something or you're making something and it's not affecting you on that level, it's not going to affect anyone ever because, you know, you're making it. So if you're not moved by it in some way and if it doesn't have the effect you wanted it to have on at least you in some way, when people watch it, they're going to be like, 
I don't know what this person was trying to do, but this is terrible. I don't mean to be standing on my soapbox and preaching to the filmmakers of the world, and, and my <laughs> point isn't isn't to discourage anyone, but I, I really do feel, on a personal level, um, you know, with the, with with the state of everything, and with you know our short, meager existence on this planet, like I don't want to be involved in the in the machinery of continuously just pumping out awful movies. You know, just yeah. bad movies over and over every year, all, you know, commercialized and devoid of any humanity with no reason other than to make money. Because really, a, a lot of the stuff out there, you can, if you wanted to, take very kind of basic themes and, and stick them onto the movie and say, it's about this. But in reality, it's about money. It's all about money. And, and these in these films that are churned out like like candies for the public to like swallow up they're complete garbage they're so devoid of anything um and i have a hard time as a creator like sitting around and 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 taking in that this is the this is the extent of what what we have to offer for for humanity in the times that we have now, because the purpose is, of the artist is to show you what it's what it's like to be human, to maybe with with like a stroke of a pen or with an image to show you that you know to be alive is to suffer, but also to feel things and to be a person is this, and this is how we'll show it to you. But when you when you give someone the sugary treat and it gives you nothing just a feeling of, of excitement and then you can plaster on the idea of it's about friendship or hope when really it's not about that at all and i think it's completely counterintuitive to the purpose of what we're doing and i know of all the art forms cinema is the most um addictive and easily consumed of the art forms um i say aside from music but i think music is always going to be around um uh, aside from music of all the art forms, the most easily consumed um, at a mass scale uh, where it really does have an effect on you is films, is movies. And I think as creators of films and movies and stories and characters, we have to be very careful about what we're making and why we're making it. Um, and, I, and I know not everyone is, is going to subscribe to that, but you know, for me as a, on a personal level, um, I feel that way about this because this is all I can offer to the world. I am useless in the world. I can't hold a <laughs> job at Subway. I can't cut bread for a living. You know, I, I can't even make a good cup of coffee. I have nothing to give to the world except stories and maybe some perspective and what it's like to be a person. That's all I can offer. So when I come to this and I'm compelled to write something and I try to a story to people it's really coming from a place of this is all i can give because i <laughs> i can give nothing else <laughs> and i really mean that you know if 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 you talk to the previous managers i've had at any job they'll tell me latif is a very nice person but he's completely useless <laughs> you know we he couldn't he couldn't stand at the counters and serve the people so we put him in the kitchen he couldn't make anything to serve to the people so we put him in the storage room and we had him sh shuffling boxes around, and that's the reality. 
I became the guy who was good at moving boxes around in the storage room because I couldn't do anything else properly. Um, and I think the one thing that I know that I'm able to do with some competency is tell stories, is to write. Um, and I do feel that I'm, I'm able to recognize in my own work that, hey, I think I have something here. Whereas in every other aspect of my life, I've not had any success with anything I've tried. <laughs> um, so with that, if I'm going to try to do this, I'm gonna, I want to do it with the best of intentions. And I don't. And, and I, I think about this a lot where, you know, if you're in, put in a position where you have some success and someone comes to you, a, a commercial giant shows up at your doorstep and says, hey, we're going to give you so much money to make. And they hand you whatever package that they want you to make. What is the answer at that point? And, and uh, it's becoming more and more clear that I would never want to make anything that serves no purpose other than entertainment. Um, I think, to an extent, the things that um, we make have to be entertaining. But I don't think it has to entertain people in the way that um, commercial products are made to entertain people. I think you can entertain people intellectually. When you hear something interesting or you see something compelling, that is entertaining, but it's also moving. So um, as a failed Subway sandwich artist, I'm, I'm trying to bring to this the most I can. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. It's uh, What comes to mind when you say that for me is, A, it's a good thing that you have that passion for it. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before. You need that passion to almost pay yourself as currency when you're doing these things for no money is and it's essential to have it it's a great thing um i remember when you and i first really started working together and we formed our production company then the name of it is a night between lives and i was like i think that's a good name because the movies that have always connected to me the most are the ones that have moved me emotionally and tried to like i came out of them thinking having a bit of a different perspective from the world and maybe even changing who I am a little bit so I could look at the world in a, in a kind of better, more knowledgeable, borderline enlightened way. And that's why a night between lives is the company that we make movies with. And I think it's a great thing to say, you know, I'm making this movie, this song, this painting, whatever form of art it is, because you want to connect with people on that level and you want to, make their lives a little bit better after they've experienced your art than their lives were before they did. It kind of, how you said, like, you know, that sugary treat and all that, it almost reminds me uh, in a weird way of sex. Like if you see a really great movie that touches you in that way and kind of informs your worldview, it's almost like, you know, you're making love with that movie or to the audience, right? And it's really good. And, Everyone has a great time. Everyone comes out of it a better person. And everyone's like, I had a really positive experience from that. Even if it's like the most messed up horror movie, you know, it can still have that experience where, you know, you go out and you watch Transformers 97 and that's kind of like jerking off, you know, like it, it, it's okay for a second, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really do anything for you. It just satiates you for a minute. And then you're like, oh, well, when am I going to get to that? place where i can you know have a emotionally charged experience with this art or this person right 
Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a weird analogy, but I stand by it. Yeah, well, no, the, there, there's something I think very clear to to certain ideas with films because, like, when when people come to the defense of these giant, ridiculous movies, um, with underneath when really there's not much underneath it's really all for show and for money and when when you attach like oh this movie is about friendship and working together and something stupid like that you could learn about friendship and working together by going out in your community and helping people and meeting strangers and building relationships that's where you learn about friendship and community if you're learning about friendship and community from the next superhero movie you're an idiot (laughs) (laughs) Because you're not going to learn about that kind of stuff. You're just seeing something and attaching like a blank value to it. If you want to feel these things, you have to go do them with people. Um, when we see these, when we see impactful films and movies, I think the reason why we really connect to them is because these are things that we've experienced. Because we don't go to these these things to see something that we haven't experienced and that we want. That's not that's not like the way I would approach anything. It's because I've felt something in the real world, and then I see it reflected back and say, I felt that. You know, I've, I know what that's like. I feel that now. And it hits you. It hits you so hard because someone else who, who made it or wrote it out there felt the same way you did at some point. And now it's, your, now it's reflected back at you, and it hits you very hard. But you, you, you don't go to the big, crazy um, candy cane movies. Um, to learn about friendship you don't go to those movies to learn about brotherhood it's ridiculous um because really underneath there's not much there there's very little humanity um and characters being nice to each other isn't isn't going to be reflective of the world that you live in (laughs) and people working together isn't going to be reflective of the world that you live in it's not enough there has to be something else um so I, i I do get really um, frustrated because of all the art forms, cinema is the most easily consumable of of kind of a complex art form. All you need is two working eyes. And I mean, you, you could only have one working eye and you can still watch movies. <laughs> um, you don't need to, you don't even need to know the language. You could just sit there and, and take in the images and kind of get an idea of what's going on. Whereas... Um, there's no work really required. You just have to exist in a way. Whereas when you're reading a, you know, a great book or something, or when you're listening to a, a great piece of music, the music is hitting you at a very um, immediate way. Um, and, and it's very kind of like uh, intangible the way you, it makes you feel. Um, but it's very direct and it does something to you. And then the way you you experience a great book is you have to try and, and read read what the uh, author has put on the page and kind of decipher meaning from it. And it takes some work. It takes a little bit of work to read a good book because there's a lot of um, stuff on the page that the author has put in there. Um, you know, words and sentences and ideas. It's all in there, but it's difficult. You have to you have to be patient with it. But whereas with a movie, you just sit there, and complicated ideas are being given to you but you're not really doing anything to receive them you're just sitting there and i think when um you create giant movies with not much underneath but they look fantastic 
you can sit there and take in a lot um, in every frame, a lot of information, and it could seem complex, but in reality, there's not qu quite anything there. And and the and the problem with it is now everyone can be a consumer, everyone can be a critic, and everyone can have an idea about something, whereas you haven't really done much work to really understand what's there. Um, but because it's entertaining, it's easy to want to like these things. But I do think there's a, a lack of kind of understanding of of what's out there on the part of the audience but i do think the problem is also with the people creating it but unfortunately it's it's hard to stop an unstoppable machine so it's it's on the onus of all the all the creators to to make better work to make better um films for the people like i think it'd be easier for someone to listen to this and just kind of feel like man that is that's a lot of work. It's talking about this, you know, type of artistry that really means something to, to the soul and to the spirit. That seems like it's, it's going to take a lot out of me. And I could see how someone would take that negatively, but really like when I hear things like this, I take it in a really positive light. Like it's very, very inspiring to be able to look at your art form in that way and say, you know, I can strive to make something that will connect to someone this much. That's beautiful. And it doesn't have to be complicated because I'm not talking, because when, the way I talk about it, I, I think I'm talking about it as simple as I can. Like, I'm not trying to say you need to make something that will light someone's soul on fire. I mean, I don't even know how to do that myself. <laughs> what I'm, But you need to say, um, just in general, what it's like to be a person. And you can do that because you are a person. You have feelings. You've felt things. You've done things. So you have to take what you know and what you feel and what you've been through and show that to people so other people can say, hey, you're a person. So am I. It's as simple as that. Um, and, and that's kind of what films are for. And that's why we have books. And that's why we have stories and music. It's all about people connecting with people. But... When um, you take the humanity out of it, that's when it's a problem. So I think it's really just about telling simple stories. It doesn't have to be this great epic about this spiritual monk. It could just be about the, the, the sad dad who lost his wife. And that could move people to their core because there are people who connect to that maybe. So it's just about simple stories or or even more complicated stories. But... The reality is it has to be somewhat honest and, and have values that mean something. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. Could not agree more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't want to keep joining on. I think people get, get the <laughs> point. So thus concludes the first hour of this seven hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing and I think it's something that people should always strive for i think it's great yeah well I, I hope it was a good a good one for people i know it's a yeah. lot a lot to take in but you know these times get me thinking and i, I do feel like i have a responsibility as, as a filmmaker to do do more than just tell stories that i want to tell mm -hmm. not that that's a bad thing because i do that sometimes too <laughs> yeah yeah it's good it's good all right. Well, till next week, I am Matt Ralston. And I'm Latif. 
And this has been Filmcraft. It's brought to you by ACASTS. Thanks for having us around for another week. And we'll see you guys next week. All right. Take care. Bye.